Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, back by popular demand, my guest is Andrew Mellon. He's a good friend and considered the most organized man in America, and he has a fabulous new book that I had the honor of actually giving an endorsement for. It's calling BS on Busy. I won't say the last four letters. I know some people are sensitive to language. We, we just got back, well, actually a few weeks ago from Rancho La Puerta. That's where I met Andrew a year ago and we became friends and I bought his book and I did his program, which you'll have an opportunity to register for. It's five days that will change your life. But what happened at Rancho, I chose the week because he was going to be there, not realizing that they would put up us up at the same time. So I had an obligation to teach at the cooking school at the same time he was giving his latest lecture about the new book. And there were about 20 of us in the class that missed his lecture. And he is so kind that he's going to give it to us now what we missed at Rancho. And we had so much fun at Rancho. We played bingo. We just have the best time. So if you have a chance to go to Rancho, don't worry if I'm there. Go when I'm there. Go when he's there. Just go. You'll love it. Please welcome Andrew Mellon. Nice to see you again. You're such a wonderful presenter. There. I learned so much from you. There. Oh, thanks. AJ. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here. Here, right, Let me share those slides with everybody so everybody can see what we're going to talk about. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Let's talk about calling BS on busy and, um, and how we can improve your time management, your productivity, your efficiency without turning you into a crazy tasking robot or a soulless machine. <laughs> because the whole point certainly, and you know this, AJ, because um, you've read the book, and uh, if you've spent any time with me, you know that the goal when we talk about time management is to get better at managing your time, being more specific, more present, uh, more mindful of the choices that we're making around time, but not not in in exchange for, again, becoming a soulless robot. We want to be able to do the things that we love to do, have enough time for those things, and um, and not feel like we're stealing time from the future or uh, in some way creating time debt for ourselves to be able to enjoy what's happening in the present moment. So that's so you understand the fundamental impetus behind everything that we're going to talk about when we talk about calling BS on busy. All right. And with that, let's just climb right in. So I have an agenda. As you'll see when we talk about meetings, I have a zero tolerance for meetings without agendas. I won't go to them. And even though this isn't really a meeting, because we're spending time together and I'm trying to be informally formal and follow a, a roadmap, I have an agenda for what we're going to be talking about today. So just when we get to the meetings module, it'll make even more sense. But just remember, zero tolerance for meetings without agendas. Don't go to them. Don't invite people to a gathering or a meeting where you're going to try to accomplish something without an agenda that you've distributed beforehand. All right. Now, um, we are doing a challenge in uh, just six days from now, seven days. It's a week from tonight. <laughs> depending on when you're watching this it's august the 7th let's keep it very simple august the 7th through the 11th it's a five-day challenge and this link if you uh if you use this link you can sign up for the challenge it's very simple it's dym for de-stress your mess aj for chef aj where you are it is case sensitive so just be sure that you put it in lowercase and it'll take you right to the registration page and i'll show this with you again a little bit later on now we're going to take three deep breaths 
This is, um, this is not a particularly woo-woo exercise. It is, in fact, a brain science exercise. The brain science tells us that we can reset our central nervous system in as few as three deep breaths. So regardless of what's going on in your day, any day, this day, if you're feeling like the day is slipping away from you, if you're feeling like you can't catch up, if you're feeling like everybody's disappointing you, you're disappointing yourself, you're disappointing everybody else, whatever the formula for disappointment is, if the day is not running the way you want it to, you can just like rebooting your phone or your computer, you can reboot your central nervous system, just take three deep breaths. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually breathe together those of you who are with us live, and even if you're watching this after we've done the show live, feel free to just go ahead and breathe. We're going to let this little nifty graphic go up one more time. When it gets down to the dot, we're going to hop on and we're going to breathe with it. Kind of five in. Here we go. One. Count of five out. One. works every time. Whatever else is going on, if there's any frenetic energy or anything, it'll calm you down, reset your central nervous system like magic works every time. All right. Now, I want you to set an intention for this time that we're together for this episode of Chef AJ's show. What do you want to take away from our time together? What's on your mind around time management? The more specific you are, the more likely it is you will make it happen. If what you're thinking is, well, I just want to learn more about time management. Inevitably, that'll happen in 30 minutes. But more to the point is, what specifically would you like to learn about time management? How to stop double booking yourself, how to um, show up on time, how to not show up so early that you feel like you um, have wasted time because you're there earlier than everybody else. Whatever it might be, the more specific you are, the more likely it is you're going to manifest it. And I'm just going to give you five, 10 seconds to really solidify that yourself, and then we'll keep moving. Now, I'm gonna share a cost of disorganization with you. When I talk about time management, I like to keep it very simple and keep it in the math. We, we often have lots of feelings about stuff. We have lots of feelings about time and the clock. So it's nice to be able to remove all the feelings, all the story that we have running back here and just keep it very simple and keep it very math-based. And so this statistic is that we are interrupted by communications technology every 10 minutes. And it takes up to 23 minutes to recover from just one interruption. So simple math is two interruptions, two recoveries, almost an hour lost. The problem is we're interrupted almost four more times in that hour. So you can see that between interruptions and recovery, you could get through most of your day just being interrupted, just attempting to recover and feeling like you are on that hamster wheel spinning and spinning and spinning. You might try to get to the end of the day and then tell yourself one of your 200 lies. Now that it's quiet, I'm going to get caught up on my real work. Now that everybody's not bothering me, I'm going to 
focus and do the things that I wasn't able to do earlier in the day. Certainly, that is not a sustainable solution for a sense of overwhelm or too many demands on your time and your attention. So we have to be able to address that and stop it from derailing any plan that you might have had for any day on literally any day in your life. All right. Now let's talk about the mindset behind all of this work around calling BS on busy and being able to set yourself up for success. And the first thing that I'm going to share with you is that, in fact, you can't manage time. We call it time management, and I talk about this in the book, In Calling BS on Busy. We talk about managing time all the time as if that's what we're doing, but the reality is that we're managing ourselves in relation to the time, to time, to the clock. You can't there's nothing that you can do to stop time. You could, if you were a bit of a smart ass, you could pull the clock off the wall, throw it on the ground and break it, but you still wouldn't stop time. If you tell yourself, I'm going to get up extra early tomorrow morning, <laughs> it's four o'clock for everybody in your time zone. It's not 3.30 for you and four o'clock for them. We can bank money, but we cannot bank time. Time is a non-renewable resource. The clock resets itself every night at midnight. And it, whether you spent the time well, you spent the time poorly or somewhere in between, that day is gone and the new day has begun. And how you budget those 24 hours is exactly what you wanna spend your time doing. Not regretting the way you did or did not spend it previously, not worrying about how you may or may not spend it in a week or two weeks. Just in the present moment, how are you going to use your time to your best advantage? And that is completely personal. If you wanna lay in a hammock and read a book, and that is the highest value of what you could be doing on that day, I completely support that. It's not a waste of time. It, it has nothing to do with productivity in that sense of achievement as much as it has to do with productivity in living in alignment with your values. So, all right, let's talk about some of the biggest causes of lost time. I'm gonna share some of them with you that I've gathered over the last 15 years of doing this work. These are not an indictment of your character. If you recognize that some of them are true for you, just have some grace and some compassion for yourself. Make a note of it and keep moving. Don't get stuck by them, uh, but we're gonna move through a list of them. And so uh, you'll notice that the uh, eight deadly time thieves that I talk about in Calling BS on Busy will show up in red. So the first one is complaining, thinking that you're actually advocating for somebody, but you're really just whining. Commuting, which during COVID, many of us had this taken off of our plate, but some of us now are back in a place of having to get into a car, get on public transportation, get on a bicycle, uh, walk to someplace, and all of that time is not often accounted for. Gossiping, thinking that you're connecting, right? We've probably all done this where we are taking somebody else's inventory and we think that we're building um, intimacy with the, with the person that we're talking about somebody else with, but in fact, we're just doing character assassination doing other people's work because we tell ourselves a story that it's easier for me to just do it than to teach you how to do it. People pleasing, watching television, telling yourself that you're doing research, hanging out with negative people. Negativity begets negativity. Procrastinating, the first of the eight deadlies, not the first of the eight deadlies, but the first of the eight deadlies that are coming up on the list. <laughs> Indecision, interruptions, social media, 
poor planning and winging it. Look, if you're very smart and very talented, you can typically pull a rabbit out of your hat every once in a while. That is not a sustainable recipe for success. Making empty promises, not putting things away in real time, solving the same problem more than once. If you solved it once and you came up with a good solution, you should record that as an SOP, standard operating procedure. So you, you don't have to solve the same problem over and over again. Over committing, eating your feelings, apropos certainly for the conversation that we're gonna have after, <laughs> after, this, after this presentation. Unnecessary meetings, which in my book are probably 95% of them. Criticizing yourself, telling yourself that you're boosting yourself up, but you're actually tearing yourself down. Email. Picking fights, again, uh, do you wanna be right or do you wanna be happy? That's always a good question to ask yourself before you go to pick a fight with somebody. Not capturing ideas in real time, telling yourself one of your 200 lies, oh, this is such a great idea, I will definitely not forget this. I don't have time to write it down now, but I, it's such a great idea, I could never forget it. And probably in 30 seconds, you will have forgotten your brilliant idea. Indulging in perfectionism, multitasking, piling instead of filing. For all of you people who um, uh, would benefit from the de-stress your mess challenge and have some uh, physical clutter around your house, those piles that you're making, not the best use of your time. All right, so those are, those are the top 20 kinds of uh, time wasting that happens in most people's lives. Again, not an indictment, just something to note. How many of us in the last 30, 60, 90 days, if somebody asked you, how were you feeling? How were you feeling? Your response was, oh my God, I am so busy. I'm crazy busy. You would never believe how busy I am. We need to get really clear. Busy doesn't mean anything. And it certainly isn't an accurate description of how you're feeling. It might be a state that you are in, but it is not a feeling state. It is a, it is a physical state. And it is important when somebody is having a feelings conversation with you, not to reply describing like a location. As if I'm in the kitchen, I'm busy, as if it means something. The other thing about this is, if you don't live in your parents' basement and they are not cooking your meals for you, you are busy and you will probably be busy for the rest of your life. Busy is the new normal in some ways, meaning that there are always going to be more demands on our time than we have time to give them. So it's important that we learn how to distinguish urgent from important so we can make smart choices. And I do love this quote from Warren Buffett. And he says that busy is the new stupid. You, you cannot say I'm busy as if it means something because it, it really is like, it's the adults on Charlie Brown, if you're old enough to remember those Charlie Brown specials on TV, right? It's just like wah, 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 wah. It has no meaning any longer. When it comes to managing your time or yourself in relationship with time, your best friend has to be a timer. You have to stop talking about achieving things in narrative-based goals or objectives and shift to math-based goals or objectives. So going forward, I invite you, instead of saying, I'm going to work on this until I'm finished, I invite you to say, I'm going to work on this for 15 minutes. I'm gonna work on this for 30 minutes. As a rule, 
no less than 15 minutes unless you've got ADHD or some other neurodivergency where staying focused for 15 minutes at a time is a challenge for you. If that's the case, work in seven minute increments, work in three minute increments. You can get a tremendous amount done in a small window of time if you stay focused on only one task. So going forward, let's no longer say I'm gonna work on something until I'm finished. Let's start saying I'm gonna work on it for X amount of time and then set the timer. And then you don't have to keep track of where, how much am I getting done? The timer is gonna do that work for you so you can be all in on the task that you're working on. And when the timer goes off, you have actually completed your task. Failure breeds failure. Success breeds success. Every time the timer goes off, you actually completed the task because the task was work uninterrupted for X amount of time. See how it works? All right, now this is the organizational triangle. Those of you who have seen me here on Chef AJ before or have seen me anywhere else, you know the organizational triangle. For those of you who never heard the organizational triangle, you can repeat after me. One home for everything, like with like, something in, something out. And that's all you need to know to get and stay organized. One home for everything, like with like, that's how we get organized. Something in, something out is how we stay organized. And these are the eight deadly time thieves. But before we go on, I realize that I'm, I just want to, for those of you who have never heard the organizational triangle, I'm just going to break those down for you very quickly. One home for everything means everything has one home and only one home. So where you keep your keys can be different from where I keep my keys, but your keys have a home, my keys have a home. They can only ever be one of two places, in our hands, unlocking something, or in their home. Like with like means all like objects live together, not most of them. So we don't keep most of the tools in the toolbox in the shed or in the garage or in the utility closet, and then keep the Phillips head screwdriver in the junk drawer in the kitchen, because we have a story that says, you know, the knobs are always a little loose. I don't want to go all the way out and try to find that screwdriver. I want it right at my fingertips when I need it. The problem is you won't remember that. And so then you will go to the toolbox looking for the screwdriver. You won't find it. You might even find yourself at the hardware store buying a new one. And then three weeks later, as you're digging around through the uh, junk drawer, you might come across that Phillips head screwdriver. And at that time, probably the first thought is not, aha, here it is. The first thought is probably, who's the idiot who left it here? The second thought might even be, oh, that was my great idea. Now that I've remembered it, I'll never forget it again. <laughs> and I promise you in 30 seconds after you close that drawer, you will have forgotten your great time management hack. Better to one home for everything and like with like it, that will get you organized. Something in, something out is how you stay organized. And that just means once everything has a home and all of its like objects are together, when something new comes in, something old is going out. We don't spend time, particularly if we don't have enough of it, shopping for things we do not need instead of spending that time on the things that we know already to be important to us. So now let's talk about those eight deadly time thieves. They are in order, interruptions, multitasking, overcommitting, poor planning, email, social media, meetings, and procrastination. So let's talk about interruptions first. 
The difference between an interruption and a distraction is an interruption is something that happens outside of us. A distraction is something that we do to ourselves. So you can distract yourself by checking your mobile phone or you can be interrupted by your mobile phone if it's constantly ringing and beeping and chirping at you. Understand interruptions are external, distractions are self-directed. Self now, these are the ways to address interruptions and the only thing you can do to stop interruptions is to shift the culture at home or at work if you make it no no longer acceptable for you to be interrupted or for you to interrupt other people they will stop if you are unable or incapable of shifting the culture maybe the culture you're not in control of the culture at work Hopefully you are at least uh, you're, you're a co-owner of the culture at home, but I can appreciate that some places at work you might not have enough authority to be able to completely shift the culture. Do what you can at home and then push back against the culture at work to see what you can do to minimize the impact of interruptions. After that make time constraints known if you are interrupted so if aj says to me hey andrew i'm so sorry to bother you but i need you for 15 minutes or she doesn't even say for 15 minutes she just says hey i need to ask you a question i should then go back to aj and say aj i can give you five minutes i can give you 10 minutes and then i have to set a timer if i don't set a timer and aj still talking with me at 11 minutes I am demonstrating to AJ unconsciously, subconsciously, that I can't tell time and that I have really crappy boundaries. If I set the timer and at 10 minutes it goes off, I can then turn to AJ and say, AJ, have we solved the problem or have I answered the thing that you came here and, and needed from me? If not, we need to reschedule this and we'll pick it up at a later date. It's very easy to shift the responsibility off of ourselves put it on a third party device the 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 timer let the timer be the the bad cop you're the good cop the timer's the bad cop it goes off and then you can just turn to the person and say we've run out of time i'd love to continue this conversation with you we just need to make an appointment to do that you can run an errand you can say with somebody hey come with me let's go to the kitchen i want to take the recycling out um let's go into the kitchen a body at rest tends to stay at rest, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. So if you get them away from your desk or your workstation, wherever they interrupted you, and you take them someplace else, when you get to where you were going, you could just say, we've arrived at, this, at, our, at our next destination. This is where I'm going to leave you. I'm going to return to my, uh, to my workstation. I'm going to return to what I was doing before, and I hope I was able to answer your question for you. Turn all notifications off. Unless your job is a customer service job where being responsive is your primary responsibility. You do not need to be beeped at, chirped at, pinged at, harassed by technology or any other device. It's not necessary. If you were a brain surgeon, they are not going to call you into the operating room by sending you a text message or an email or, or posting on your Facebook page. That's not how they're going to get you into the operating room. So you do not need to have things constantly beeping and chirping at you. All right. All right. When it comes to multitasking, she can't do it. He can't do it. Multitasking is a lie. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news if this is news to you. If you think it's your superpower, it isn't. If it's on your resume as your superpower, please remove it. You cannot do open heart surgery 
and bake a cake at the exact same time. You can do them sequentially, but you cannot do them simultaneously. Even as the woman in the, in the illustration is doing, you cannot talk on the phone and do your dishes at the exact same time. If you are scrubbing the dish and very focused on a bit of food clinging to the bottom of the dish, you will not be paying attention to the phone conversation. You will have to ask the speaker probably to repeat themselves. I'm willing to bet that almost everybody has done that in their past. Likewise, if you're very keyed into the conversation, you might spend much longer washing the dishes than you would need to because you aren't really paying attention to how clean and how quickly you are getting the dishes clean. So. Lastly, I'll just share us. Uh, they did a study at the University of London with 1100 workers, specifically around multitasking with electronic media. And what they discovered was that when you attempt to multitask with electronic media, so a computer and a smartphone, a tablet and a smartphone, you experience a greater decrease in IQ than somebody who has been uh, not who, who just pulled an all-nighter, who didn't sleep for 24 hours, or somebody who's high on marijuana. So the story that we tell ourselves might be, I am a multitasking wizard. The reality is, if you are multitasking, specifically with electronic media, you are less functional than somebody who's stoned on pot or somebody who hasn't slept in 24 hours. That's the reality. When it comes to overcommitting, it is so important. And some, those of us who are people pleasers and really like to serve other people, it's important to know that no is a complete sentence. It's also important to be able to tell the difference between an excuse and an explanation. You can always make a trade-off. You can say, I can't do it now. I can do it tomorrow at 4 p.m. A great thing to remember is the only thing better than good news is bad news fast. If the answer is no, please tell me no now. Don't tell me you're gonna get back to me in 48 hours because I think in those 48 hours, you're trying to rearrange your schedule to accommodate my request. You, on the other hand, are hoping that when 48 hours pass, when you tell me no, it will be easier for me to hear the no. Just let me go find the yes quicker. It's a disservice to me, it's a disservice to you. The only thing better than good news is bad news fast. And remember that saying no to something is actually saying yes to something we value more. Glass half empty, glass half full. When it comes to poor planning, it's important to remember we all get 168 hours in a week. Nobody gets 172 because they're very sweet. Nobody gets 164 because they're very sour. We all get the same 168 hours. How we use them is completely up to us. So when it comes to to-do lists, to-do lists not, aren't necessarily a time management tool. It's just a way for you to dump information out of your brain. Then you wanna prioritize those and put those on your calendar. The calendar is a time management tool. So the first thing to do is remember to change your expectations around your to-do list. It's unlikely you're going to get to to-do list zero. Then you wanna be thorough and singular. You can have multiple to-do lists, but each to-do list should be category specific. Don't keep writing the same 12 things on a general list to yourself. You don't want visiting the oncologist to be vying with returning a package to Amazon. They might both be ones, but they aren't equivalent. So if you put them all on the same list, 
it's no wonder that some people have difficulty prioritizing when things that shouldn't be competing for position number one are because they're all just on one general list. And then, as I said, prioritize one, two, three, ABC, red, yellow, green. It doesn't matter how you prioritize. It's just important to remember that ones or A's or green are the most important things and that you prioritize tasks in order of their significance to you and how they line up with your values. Something to remember is anything that is lower than a three, a four or a five should either be removed from your list completely or delegated away. It will never rise organically to become a one. There will always be new things that require your attention more than something that is naturally a four or a five. So the best thing to do with those are either delegate them away to somebody else for them to get done, but not by you, or to just cross them off your list. The last thing to remember about this is that your to-do lists are to your tasks, what your closet is to your clothes. So. You don't get up in the morning and put on all of your clothes. You have no business dragging your to-do list around. You want to pull things off your to-do list, make discrete appointments with yourself on your calendar, and that's how you will proceed. All right, when it comes to email, these are my top three tips around managing your email. The first one is the most important one. Check it only when you can read it and reply to it. If you read it when you don't have time to reply to it, you're just creating digital clutter for yourself. You're going to have to read it again when it is time to reply to it. And if you read something that upsets you, now you are distracted and agitated. You can't focus on what you need to do because you're so upset by what you've read. And sadly, you don't have enough time to write a thoughtful reply. So you've just basically shot yourself in the foot. Don't read and answer email constantly throughout the day, again, unless your job is a customer service job. I read and reply to email three times a day. I don't miss anything important. I really don't. And I don't need to be in my inbox all day long. It's not that important. The people who know how to reach me and, and that would need to reach me, family, friends, uh, clients, know to either text me or use a mobile phone. So I also let them know my preferred modes of communication. AJ will say all the time, if it's urgent, the best way to reach me is a text. Don't send her an email. She, she may or may not even see it. So it's much better to use the methods of communication that you have been told are somebody else's primary channels of communication. The last thing to do is to automate your emails using rules or filters. They mean the same thing. In Macworld and Gmail, they call them rules. Uh, in Outlook and other PC worlds, they call them filters. It, it, the name is insignificant. It just pay attention to whether they're talking about rules or filters so you can configure them the way that you need to configure them. It is basically an if-then string of information, meaning if an email comes to me from Chef AJ, put it in this folder. If an email comes to me from at andrewmellon.com, my entire domain, put it in this folder. It means that before emails even land in your inbox, they will get pre-sorted into subfolders where they need to be placed so that I can get to them later, really later, not fake later. Any subfolder that I create will have a numeric indicator on that folder that will alert me to new messages there. So I won't miss them if they go there and aren't sitting in my inbox as a tickler file reminding me.
When it comes to meetings, as I said, I have a zero tolerance for meetings without agendas, won't go to them. These are my top five tips for meetings. Handouts and agendas should be distributed 24 hours prior to the meeting. I want you coming prepared for the meeting. I don't want you making stuff. Regardless, again, of how talented you are, I do not want you making things up on the fly. I want you coming prepared to discuss what we're going to be talking about in the meeting. There should be time limits for every agenda item so we don't end up down rabbit holes talking about things that do not deserve more than five or 10 minutes of our time. There should never be back-to-back -back meetings ever. By the end of the third meeting, the brain science tells us diminishing returns, you will not remember what was covered in the first meeting. You need to have a buffer between every meeting. And the reality is when you show up for the second meeting, if they are back-to-back, -back, you're you might be physically there, but mentally you're still in the previous meeting anyway. You're synthesizing through any of your deliverables, any of the things that came up. You're looking at the agenda, trying to figure out what you need to be doing next. So it, it's just, it's better brain science to not schedule back-to-back -back meetings. And the last tip is that the end of the meeting is not the end of the meeting. The end of the meeting is when you've debriefed yourself after the meeting. Again, why we need that 10, 15 minute buffer between meetings so that we complete the meeting just because everybody's left the conference room or the, or the Zoom call doesn't mean that the meeting is over until you have finished processing through everything that came up during the meeting. When it comes to social media, these are my top three tips for that. Turn all notifications off or set yourself to do not disturb. Before I got on the Zoom call, I set all of my, all of my phones and appliances to do not disturb. I don't want anything pinging me while I'm here presenting with you and talking with Chef AJ. Remove the apps and use the websites instead. This is a little draconian for some people, but if you want to spend less time on social media, take the apps off your devices. Make yourself go to the website and log in. I promise you will spend less time on those sites. And lastly, put your phone away. Do not turn your phone face down on the dining room table or on the conference table. Don't bring it into the room with you. These are the three things that you can do to minimize the, the amount of time that you are with love wasting or investing in social media. I use social media for work all the time and still it has to be a very clear proposition for me to spend the time on social media for it to actually have meaningful value to me and by extension to the people that I'm communicating with. All right, well, I saved the best for last. Let's talk about procrastination now. Why do you procrastinate? It's the $64 million question these days, right? Understand this, we all procrastinate for different reasons. So this is an a la carte menu. You can help yourself to any of these reasons. We don't procrastinate for the same reason. And we, uh, you might choose to avoid things that I don't choose to avoid. There are two kinds of procrastination. There is the avoidance procrastination, which we're all very familiar with. The other one masquerades as self-care, and it goes something like this. I never get any time for me. This is just five minutes for me. I just want five minutes for me. So I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing 
even though I know back here that I should be transitioning into that next task, I just I want those five minutes for me. So we steal them from the future. Now we've created some time debt for ourselves and it undermines what we were going to be doing next. They have the same negative impact on our schedule, the one that masquerades itself as self-care, as well as the one that we're very familiar with, which is the avoidance form of procrastination. So what can you do to beat procrastination? What you can do is eat the frog. And I realize that I'm talking to a vegan. You don't literally have to eat a frog. It's a metaphor. You have to do the thing that sounds the most disgusting. You have to do that one first. By eating the frog, and this was coined by Mark Twain and then made popular by a colleague of mine named Brian Tracy. Mark Twain said, if you eat a live frog first thing in the morning, the rest of the day is better. And so if we use that, if we do the thing that is the most distasteful to us first thing in the morning, the rest of the day gets easier. We find that we build momentum. Remember, failure breeds failure, success breeds success. You do the thing that you want to do the least soonest, everything else seems like more fun. And the irony, of course, about procrastination is the thing we want to spend the least amount of time with, we end up spending the most amount of time with because we keep dragging it around behind us. And we also might tell ourselves one of those 200 lies, right? Like, I don't want to eat the frog first thing in the morning. I want to eat the frog later in the afternoon. I'm going to batter fry the frog. I'm going to put some tartar sauce or some a cocktail sauce on it. It'll be much tastier in the afternoon. The frog is never going to be tastier than it would be first thing in the morning. Get it off your plate. That's the number one thing to do to get procrastination out of your way and stop it from sapping all of your energy. Just do it, as Nike would say. All right. And with that, I want to remind you, this is where you can sign up for the De-Stress Your Mess Challenge. And AJ, I am complete. <laughs> Who used to say that? We are complete. Why are that? Well, we say that on Clubhouse, right? When we when we're when we're finished uh, talking on Clubhouse. No, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I there's somebody. Anyway, oh, that somebody was, used to say, and and we're out, or and we're complete, or something. Complete. I'm trying to remember. That that was fabulous. And you know, the idea of eating the frog, whether one is vegan or not, it's it's such a great thing. And that's how I look at exercise because I don't love it. But if I don't do it first thing in the morning, I can promise you, I'm never going to do it. That's my frog. I do the same thing. I keep my yoga mat down on the floor because if it's on the floor, then when I walk by it, I'll get down on the floor and I'll just do 12 push-ups. If the yoga mat's rolled up and it looks all nice and tidy, I'm not, I'm not inclined to do anything with it. Right. So I just, that just is a little hack that I've done for myself to just make it super, super easy. We've got some questions in the chat. Oh, there were so please. many that I, I hope I can find them because some of them came very, very early and my chat goes much faster than people. But sure. one of the questions was, is for the de-stress your, de-stress your mess challenge, if a person cannot make it live when it's happening, can they, uh, is it recorded for them? Most definitely, yeah. We record every session and probably about 90 minutes after the session, the replay is up and live. And so there's lots of people, I mean, literally people all over the world do the challenge. And certainly because it's 8 p.m. In, on the East Coast, uh, there, it's, that's already sometimes midnight or one o'clock in the morning in the UK. It's two o'clock in the morning in Central Europe. And then as we travel across the continent, it just gets later and later or earlier and earlier. So the replays are always available. Fantastic. And Virginia wants to know, what do I do when people call or text me and then that distracts me from my goals? 
Well, I, I would say don't answer the phone. Uh, <laughs> and um, I mean, unless you're expecting the phone call, if you have set aside a certain amount of time and you've set your timer to task on something, turn your phone off, turn your phone face down, put it in another room and turn the ringer off. Uh, <clears throat> unless there were a reason, maybe you have an older parent or um, somebody is having a medical procedure or you feel that you need to be able to respond quickly should there be an issue. Short of that, if it's just a regular day and nothing unexpected is likely to happen, if if they go to voicemail and you return the phone call in two hours when you're finished doing what was important to you, what difference does it make? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love what you said about social media because people that say they don't have time to do something, if they if they have Facebook, Twitter, if they have any of the social media, then they're lying. Because if you have time for that, if that app is on your phone, then you got time to do whatever it is you say you don't have time to do because you don't want to do it because you have the time. You know, I always heard that people people always have enough time and enough money for something they really value and want. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly, you know, when we think about it from the marketing side, um, when I've talked to friends of mine who are in marketing, they always say that it, people will make the time and they will make the money. They'll find the money for something that matters. And we've all had that experience, right? Whether it was something that, that felt like a luxurious indulgence, like, oh, I really shouldn't, but I want it. We found the money. And then there are other things when even if it was a dollar, we would find we've come up with an I don't have to have it. It's not worth it. Yeah. So. so Stephanie, who's watching live, has a question about one of your books. You have many fabulous books. And this is the question on your guide to moving. And she wants to know, does it talk about more than just packing up boxes such as decluttering boxes before you move and what items you should pack first, et cetera? Uh, it has a. Uh, it does talk about that. And it also includes a checklist of everything that you should do from three months out before your move through one week and moving into your place and unpacking. So it certainly talks about decluttering. And as you can imagine in a book about moving, I can't cover everything, which is where uh, my first book, Unstuff Your Life, would be super helpful as a, as a supplement to it, depending on how much time you have. Um, if if you if you are moving in a short window you may end up having to move some things that you didn't want to uh and at the same time you should be as aggressive as you are comfortable being ruthless about deciding what comes and what stays so that you don't move anything unnecessary yeah it's interesting how there's differences in people with how much stuff they'll tolerate you know yeah. And, 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 and it seems that those of us that like a more, you know, clean look always seem to be married to the clutter bucks. <laughs> you ever notice that in your work that? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they say opposites attract, right? So I think it's the same thing with stuff. Yeah. Two neat um, freaks don't, you know, two Felix Ungers don't get together. It's always a Felix Unger and an Oscar Madison kind yeah. of. Thing. So, you know, I, I think I told you this story before, but it was so true. 
I think almost all of us have more stuff than we need. And I, that's what I love about your system. And, you know, we can always make excuses why the reason I need so many clothes is because I do a live show every day. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's really about decisions. But one of the most useful things that happened to me is when I moved from the desert to here. And because I had never owned a house before, which means I had never sold a house before. And our realtor, Gracie, God bless her, she came in and she's like, this has got to go. And it wasn't like my house was messy. It's not that at all. But I have a tendency, like, if you give me a card, if you give, like, I, like I've got to display it. You gave me this, you know. And so. So there was just two. And so she just did something to the house. And then when I saw it, it was like, she was like, you can have three things on the counter. So I picked, you know, the things I, I needed my Breville. I mean, I'm not going to you know, not have an oven. And, and the thing is, is after she did that, and these are the pictures that are on Zillow. I'm like, wow, I love to live like this. But sometimes when people, it's kind of like pig pen, when you're surrounded by a cloud of dust, you don't realize that there's an alternative, you know, it's, it's kind of like people when they lose weight, they don't, they get comfortable being uncomfortable or, you know, they're getting used to it, but until they get to the other side, they don't realize how much better life they can have, you know, whether it's losing weight or getting healthy or decluttering, you know? Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's true. And I mean, and that thing specifically about real estate and selling houses is it needs to be so neutral that any post, any prospective buyer walks in and can see themselves living there, that they're not, they're not coming into your house. They're coming into a house that they could imagine could be their house. And if it's so loaded up with your own belongings, there's no room for them in the house. So if they might think, oh, this is a beautiful house. I don't want to buy it because it's her house. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm not that I'm going anywhere anytime soon, but I always say to my husband, I said, let's live our lives as if, you know, some really rich guy is going to come by and offer us millions. You know, that, that's kind of how I want it to be. You know, and I say, hey, that could happen. You know, the school's opening near us. So I try, I strive for that. I'm not perfect all the time. But I remember when I was looking at houses and, you know, you mentioned that this particular house, it might have been a lovely house, but this person like had a collection of bobbleheads. It had a, they had a collection of nautical stuff. And it was like it was like I couldn't see past the way they Correct. you know their 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 stuff yeah so yeah. that's really interesting uh daria wants you to know that your password tip from your january training has been a game changer and one of the many reasons for people to take the training with you oh thank you daria yeah i got a bill too maybe i'll get it so we had a, a viewer writing a question in advance and she asked to be anonymous and she says andrew how do i approach and help my 80 year old able-bodied friend whose house has 18 years of no cleaning and no organization. He sees nothing wrong with his house and actually invited his neighbors there for an association meeting. He says he likes it this way. He has two adult male children that live in other states and know nothing about the condition of his house and won't stay in my friend's house when they visit our city. I don't think you can make people declutter, you know, if they don't want to, right? There's no, there's no court. I mean, decluttering. The, the key is he doesn't see the problem. If he doesn't have a problem, your anonymous friend has the problem. It's they're uncomfortable in the house. They think they have a they have a feeling, they have a thought that he should be uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable because they wouldn't want to live like that. I mean, that's that is the that is the emotional tragedy of caring about people who don't live the way we live, is that you have to accept them for who they are and love them for who they are you you can't change him until he wants to change and if he doesn't see the problem he doesn't have a there isn't a problem you have a problem yeah 
I, I think that um, if, 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 if there was like a magic wand, like for somebody, my husband's not here. He's probably not going to watch this, but uh, you know, he's doing better, you know, because you know, you know, I, he's not going to watch this. I, I kind of tricked him um, because I know that I can't change him. And because he saves literally everything from every moment of his life and okay, that's who he is. So what I said to him is, you know, cause we would fight about this a lot. And we saw a Dr. Lyle, the psychologist said, you can't change him. And so what I said, I said, look, you can have everything you want. I'm not trying to ask you to get rid of anything, but it has to be more organized. So instead of having it all willy-nilly in these ugly cardboard boxes, you need to go to a store and get this like all black or whatever. You get boxes and they it needs to just so when I so I just if I, if I have to have 155 boxes, it just has to be a little bit more organized. And what happened is by making him do that, as he goes through the boxes, sometimes he sees stuff that, you know, maybe he could get rid of. And even though we have more stuff than I would like, it, at least it looks presentable now. So like if that rich guy comes to buy our house, he just sees a garage, you know, with a lot, a lot of boxes. boxes. And, you know, it's not, it's not like, I just, I just like things to be pretty to look at. What can I tell you? Yeah, <laughs> even no, if I'm, it's with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just find your work amazing. Like I, the minute I met you, which was over a year ago, I bought your book right there at Rancho. Listen, the, the, the first one, listen to it, made changes immediately. And you know, it's the kind of thing it's like, it's an ongoing process. Just like, you know, everybody can lose weight. Not everybody can keep it off. If you want to keep it off, you got to do what you did to lose weight. I find there's such a parallel with our work because oh, really anyone can declutter, whether it's because they do it or they hire a professional, but it's an ongoing thing. And so, so I always strive, like I, I have one, my goal is to not be so much like Gandhi and only die with five possessions, but to have things as the least common denominator. Does that make sense to you? So I, I find so much joy in decluttering and throwing things out. Like I just, I can't, I can't believe like everybody, like I wish I could just go to, I wouldn't even charge money. I would go to your house and just throw away all your crap because there's something about just getting rid of everything in a group that you don't need and, you know, taking it to goodwill or throwing it away. And I find that just like one of the most pleasurable things in the world. Not everybody does. And I think there's some psychological things that people, you know, because like the memory, you know, having lived through the earthquake and lost everything once, it's like you realize the memories, yes, it would be nice to have some of those pictures back where the pipe broke, but but it's not, the, the memory isn't in the thing. The memory is kept here. And when, I think when, you know, because I have friends that like save, like I can understand saving certain things of your child, but to, you know, to say, if you have like, you know, kids in their thirties and you're saving their baby clothes, like, like, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, give it to, you know, I don't know. So it's weird to me, but people are sentimental that way. Right. Well, and I think that there is, um, it's not laziness, but it's a, it's a disconnect where you make the thing responsible for keeping the memory alive instead of doing the work for yourself, right? It's your memory. It's not the object's memory. So we sometimes delegate the responsibility and push it off on the object itself. You remind me of my grandma rather than me sitting and remembering my grandmother where I'm more active. And I think it's it's a learned behavior around, or it's an, it's an unlearned non-behavior. This idea of being present and being fully alive and fully engaged as often as possible. We, we can't always do it um, every moment of every day, but that is the goal is to get to a place where we are 
fully present in all the moments of our lives. And that is like, that's being in the real moment is this is my grand, this is the experience of my grandmother. I'll tell you a story about my grandmother rather than, oh, I have a tchotchke on my shelf. That's where my grand, that's where my dead grandmother's memories now live. It, it's not big enough to contain all of the experiences of my grandmother. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Are you familiar with a Japanese film called Afterlife? It's one of my favorite oh, movies. When I, I had a Senora Deborah on, I asked her about this movie because in the movie, you there was like this way station where before you went on to wherever people go on, you had to choose one memory from your life and then you could transcend. And if people were having trouble choosing the memory. They would just sit there because they were in indecision. They couldn't, right, exactly. they couldn't pass and, through. And what was so interesting is the memories they ended up choosing were some of the simplest things in life, you know, not these big grand things. But I think about it like, you know, you really can't take it with you, you know, this stuff. You cannot you know? take it with you. And, and and I would much rather, and I don't have children, but like I we have, um, you know, we, we have a bigger community up here of people and friends. And so when we'll be at dinner parties and I like to make jewelry because I like to make jewelry, not because I want to even wear jewelry. There's something about crafts. And, you know, so obviously I have two more, too many earrings and I have all these bracelets and I had this part there was like, I don't know, 20 people here. And I took out my jewelry box and I, I pretty much gave away everything. Like not, not like, obviously not something super duper expensive. My husband bought me, but all this, I mean, nice stuff. And I kind of said, well, this looks like you. And like, I just, I love doing that because I like making stuff, but I don't want to have the stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm with you. I'm it's with fun you. giving stuff away. I just, I, I wish I could be even more that way. Well, Susanna said, Andrew, I love meeting you at Rancho. Thank you for signing my book. Where should I start when I share my large cluttered home with seven of my kids who are now adults and older teens? I'm literally frozen. Well, I'm not Andrew, but I could tell you the first place to start is with the de-stress your mess challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say that th that would be a great thing to do is to join us. I mean, it's it's literally Monday, a, a week from today, we would start at 8 p.m. Eastern. And um, we're going to cover most of the major clutter hotspots. You're going to get a great, you'll get a great shot in the arm, kick in the pants, whatever, however you want to think about it. And um, it'll take all the all the trying to figure out, like, where should I go out of the equation? Just come and join us for the challenge. Yeah, it's good. And so uh, it, you get together through Zoom, just like we're doing now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We meet on Zoom. It's not a meeting like this. So you, I don't see you, you see me. So nobody has to be on camera. You don't have to worry about a bad hair day. You, I'm the only one who's on camera, but I will share slides and I teach you live. It's a live event. You know, it's not, um, particularly for folks who are struggling to get motivated to declutter, to get organized you're not going to watch a video at nine o'clock at night by yourself when you're tired. It's why we do it live. It's very, it's very deliberate. I'm there live because I know that if I'm there live and you're there live, something magical is going to happen. You know, maybe I'll take it again. I mean, I feel like I, you know, that's the thing because people that are, are uh, experts in life, they don't have new information. They practice the fundamentals more often. So maybe I should take it because, you know, I'm reading a, a comment from a live viewer. I've attended two of Andrew's de-stress your mess challenges, and I highly recommend them. I agree. The password formula has changed my life. I am slow to change, but each time at least one behavior is stuck. Maybe I should, Suzanne, if you do it, maybe I'll do it too, because, cool. um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, be buddies. 
Yeah, we could be we could be declutter buddies. Yeah, you know, at one point I had a buddy, her name, she's still my friend, her name is Elspeth, because I mean, this was before I knew you, so I didn't have this information, but it was just to to not buy stuff, you know. Obviously, toothpaste, socks, I'm not talking about essentials, right. but you know, I tended to buy like tchotchkes and 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 it was like we we were accountability partners. Yeah. And like if I in the in when I was like out of the country working, like I had actually had a text or a photo and get permission to buy something like, you know, because the thing is, is I always remember my mom saying, do you want it or do you need it? You know, and the truth is, is most everything here. I don't I mean, you know, I it's there. You know, obviously I need heat and, you know, a roof. But but, you know, we really do have a lot of stuff. Most of us, you know, yeah. chances are you don't need another pair of shoes unless you're, you only have one pair of shoes and that pair of shoes now has a hole in it, right? So you don't need another sweater. You don't need another tchotchke. You don't need another spatula. If you want one, maybe it's because you want to retire the old one or you just like the idea of something new. I, I'm a big fan of encouraging people to window shop. I mean, you're not shopping literally for windows, but the idea of you can appreciate that there are things in the world that are, are beautiful, functional, innovative, you don't necessarily need to bring them home. When you go to a museum, I look at amazing works of art. And as much as I'd like to hang that Van Gogh on my wall, I also realize I have to leave the museum without it. It doesn't diminish my experience of sitting with the painting. So, yeah, you know, I, with the motive, I was gonna say the motivational triad, that's a different show tomorrow with Doug Lyle, exactly. the pleasure trap, but the organizational trial, like with like, totally makes sense. Do that. And, uh, you know, a place for everything, everything in its place. And, you know, a game, you know, it, it, my husband, um, we have little dishes, two different places because there's two different doors, you know, and they're the beautiful dishes that I bought in Mexico where we put our keys. So there's one by the front door and one by the other door, because, you know, sometimes we got this, one, sometimes we got this way and he couldn't find his key the other day. Actually, it was uh, Saturday and he, he needed it to go to the airport because a friend, her she would have been late for a fun. And I'm like, well, you know, and he gets mad. I'm like, well, why didn't you put it in the place, you know? because that would have solved the problem. That's why it's right there. I think the biggest problem I have with the organizational tri triangle is the one in, one out. Because, um, and, and so I'm, okay, I'm confessing here. I went to this really quite, I, I knew it. Like you, you, you know, my acting teacher, Joan Darling, you say my voice would go with you, but you're in my head all the time. And I always feel guilty when I buy something because I'm like, what would Andrew say? Because, you know, oh, those socks that I showed you at Rancho where you yeah. said you either throw them away or sew them. I don't know how to darn socks. So I actually, because nobody at Goodwill will want my socks with holes yeah, in them. Not but those. I, I was at this unique kind of, um, like a place that I probably wouldn't get to again. And I saw, you know, like leggings in my, you know, cause that, that's, that was the one bad thing about losing weight is that I can fit into everything really cute now. And the clothes are so cute. And, and it was, a and so, you know, I, I bought an extra pair of leggings. I did not need them, um, but they look great and I want them. So but I just, I went into my closet. I don't really, I mean, I want to go up right now. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be leggings. I mean, oh, it could I be, you could make it that specific, like one legging in one legging out, but if it, it could be one legging in and another garment out so that they're still not, you're not crowding, you're not crowding out the storage facility, the closet, the, the chest of drawers. So that that's, that's where the problem becomes. Yeah. There's no room to put the extra pair of leggings, but if something else leaves, then you've bought yourself the room for the leggings. I think the problem is I bought a house with a walk-in closet that's bigger than like a lot of people's. I mean, this place is extraordinary. I do my I do my yoga in there, and you know, I think in about the closet. 
It, it, yeah, the closet's so big. It's like, and it's such a quiet room. And, you know, I, I think about like people in a prison cell, my, my walk-in closet's like bigger. And because I have the room for it, you, you know, my house doesn't look cluttered. And so I think my solution has just been to every time I move by a big room. <laughs> well, something to consider. Isn't that no, but I, but, but it is a work in progress. And it's, it's just, to me, it's, it's, I, I don't, I, I like it. I like decluttering and it's something that, you know, I don't do it just when you have a challenge. It's something that I'm always looking to get rid of, you know, the books are the challenge because I, I have so many, you know, I don't want to just throw them away and guests on the show. So luckily I have a big enough bookshelf, but one day I would love to have either a bakery or just a nonprofit where like other people could be enjoying my books too. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And just to dovetail on that, right? The idea, I I would prefer nothing end up in landfill that isn't actual garbage. It's, chances are what you're finished with, somebody else can still use, maybe not your socks, right? But um, chances are when you're finished with it, if it still has utility, somebody wants it. It doesn't have to, you don't have to throw it away. So, because one of the things that I like to work with folks, I mean, words matter. And when you talk about it, and I don't mean you, but when one talks about like, well, I I don't want to throw it away. You don't have to throw it away. You just release it and let it go have its life someplace else. It just makes it easier for you to detach from it because it doesn't feel like you're hurting it or throwing it in the garbage or disrespecting it. You're not doing any of those things. You're just releasing it and letting, letting it go have its next home while you tidy up yours. Yeah. People do have a hard time letting go. I'm sure you're familiar with like those shows on TLC, like the hoarders and stuff. Of course, That's yes. like, cause people always compare themselves. People think, well, I'm not so bad. I'm not like that. I'm not saving, you know, yeah, I, mean, I don't think the, 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 the benchmark should not be the, the person that needs an armature to get themselves out of bed because they weigh 500 pounds. Like, well, I, I'm not that that that's not really it's not a race to the bottom i always say to people right like the lowest common denominator is not is not what you should be basing choices off of right like well you know i'm not hitler well be nicer than hitler i mean that doesn't seem like doesn't seem like a big like a a a very high bar to set for yourself so you know be better Right. And uh, Dave is saying, can you give suggestions for the best places to donate things? Uh, Goodwill is the first one that comes to mind because it's the closest to where I live. Yeah, I actually, if you go to my website and go to the blog, there's a whole, uh, we've got a whole blog that lists out places to donate things based on their category. So places to donate books, places to donate clothes, places to donate technology. So I would say you could, if there was something specific you wanted to get rid of, you could do a Google search for uh, donations or secondhand or um, uh, uh, resale shop, fill in the blank of the item and then put your zip code in, your postal code and see what comes up. But also, like I said, you can go to the website, andrewmellon.com, M-E-L-L-E-N, and you can uh, go to my blog and you'll find there's a, a ton of ton of resources on where to let things go. Yeah, thank you. And um, Randy says, any thoughts on organizing thousands of pictures from having six kids and back in the day, double prints? Of course, Andrew has a course for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just taught a course on photo organizing. So um, 
you're certainly welcome to check that out at my website. And uh, the first thing I would do is probably get rid of all the duplicates, right? Either separate them and give them to somebody else, one of your kids. Um, what's the end game is really also where I would point you is, are you gonna make copies for all six children? Are you gonna digitize them? Um, be thoughtful about what the conclusion of the process is and then reverse engineer your process based on that. So if you want photos for all six kids plus for you, um, then that's a different strategy than nobody really wants the photos. So that's that's how I would direct you. And I would encourage you to go check out the photo organizing class at my website. I mean, the thing is, is for this problem, there is help. You know, it's not like oh. some curable disease. I mean, if people really want to get organized to whatever degree, not only your challenge, but just your books there, you have, you have enough content that can help people if, if they'll, but they have to do it just like anything else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, often, and I'm not talking, this is not Randy or, or any of the people have asked questions like the people in the afterlife movie that you described, sometimes people just want to sit in that place of feeling like because I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, I get a pass. Like if someone were to judge me, I would be able to defend my inactivity because I'm overwhelmed and I can't figure out where to start. So I, you can't judge me negatively because if I knew what to do, I would be doing it. And any action, going through and just pulling out the duplicates would be a way to start because we already know that we don't need more than one copy. Even if we were going to scan them all, we wouldn't scan duplicates. We would only scan one of each image anyway. So the easiest the easiest thing to slide right off the surface of that would be all the duplicate photographs. And you know, it's interesting how much stuff people have that they don't even know. Like I'm sure my husband with his 155 boxes, which I think is down to 130 now or something like that. <laughs> I think about uh, Dr. John McDougall as a regular show on this channel, and he lost everything in the fire in Santa Rosa. I think it was what 2018 or whatever year it was. Like literally everything, like everything, like nothing. And I mean, they barely they barely survived. As you know, they barely saved their lives. Yeah, everything was lost. And and so of course I'm not minimizing his trauma and his loss, but what I'm saying is when that happened, a part of me said. Well, I looked at it like, well, you know, maybe that'd be a good thing, you know, if your life was saved, because then, you know, you don't <clears throat> clutter, you know, it's kind of done for you. Yeah, I interviewed him on my podcast and we actually talked about that. Oh, and, my God, I um, must have missed that one. Thank you. But yeah, yeah. That, that's that's well, I met him through you. Yeah. And oh my um, God. And, and we talked about it. I mean, look, it is a horrible tragedy that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And many, many people that go through that kind of a loss because they are still alive themselves. And it is, while it was money and experiences and memories, they're very grateful to have their health and everybody else survived. Many people talk about the liberation that they feel that they, there is some loss, but the liberation of, oh, I, I never have to make a decision about what's gonna happen to these things that I've been dragging around for 50, 60, 70 years, it's all been taken away from me. I feel so light and so free and so unencumbered that there is, inside every disappointment is the seed of an equal or greater opportunity if you're willing to see it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting because like, I have no kids or grandkids. So like, who's going to want my stuff anyway? I mean, if you want something of mine, tell me now. I'd, I'd 
to see you enjoying it. You know, that, that that's so interesting. Um, Linda wants to know if you have suggestions for those who need physical help to clear out their stuff, like people with disabilities, for example. Sure. Well, um, I mean, you can certainly hire a professional organizer. Um, if you know what you want to have done, you could hire a TaskRabbit, maybe, um, which is an app. If you're not familiar with TaskRabbit, it's a, it, and, and all of the other apps that are similar to TaskRabbit, like uh, Angie's List, which I think is now Angie, or even on Craigslist, on um, uh, Handy, on uh, Home Advisor, on um, any uh, care.com, you can find temporary freelance physical help for people to come and assist you doing things. Maybe even depending on what your budget is, there might be social services that are available through your county or your town or your state or the federal government that would subsidize hiring somebody to come and do things. Maybe that's one of the benefits of your health insurance or your home insurance. So you you could look in all of those places to see if there's the opportunity to hire somebody so that the money doesn't come out of your own pocket, particularly if you don't have deep pockets. And if you do have resources, you can certainly just go to any of those places and hire someone who is able-bodied and uh, able to pick things up and move them around as you direct them. Yeah, great. And Stephanie wants to know how long will the replays of the challenge be available? And Colleen asks, is this the same challenge that previously cost $1? Um, so the replays will be available until the, I believe it's the 18th is Friday um, of two weeks from now, they'll be available on, uh, through the 18th and then they come down unless you purchase forever access, in which case then they're yours forever. So when you're registering for the challenge, if you pay an additional 1497, I think it is, you'll have them forever. They won't time out, but I, they, they time out a, a week after the challenge ends. Um, so you have a full week to watch them as many times as you want there. We don't, we're not keeping score. Uh, and is it the same challenge that we charged a dollar for historically? Again, it's the same structure. Every challenge is different. So we got we got tremendous feedback from people that we were not charging enough money. The dollar was, uh, people were undervaluing it. They were not showing up because they felt like, well, it was only a dollar. If I don't show up, it's no big deal. So uh, based on what we heard from literally thousands of people, we increased the price to 1997. I still think it's, it's, it works out to less than $4 a day for an hour of live instruction, which, I mean, if you think about without sounding like a, a you know, an ego maniacal douchebag, um, corporations often pay me $10,000 for one hour of my corporate training. So for, for $4, you're basically getting uh, quite a bargain still. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Just fun spending time with you. Well, yeah. you're always fun to have on. What, what does your future hold? Well, um, we've got the challenge coming up next week. Then I'm going to Dallas to shoot uh, an episode of uh, a TV program with a, a, a coach who primarily works with service providers, uh, chiropractors, and other uh, doctors. 
her name is uh, Dr. Jody. You, you, I should connect the two of you. You would love each other. She's lovely. And um, so I'm going on her TV show in August. Then I'm going to do some work with a private client in San Francisco. And then I'm speaking, uh, I'm speaking in Minnesota, uh, Nashville, Atlanta, and Orlando in September. I, I, I'm running around a lot. Uh, so lots of travel, lots of uh, public speaking. Um, we're working on a, re, uh, a, a, a revised edition of Unstuff Your Life. Unstuff Your Life is now uh, 13 years old, 14 years old, 13 or 14 years old. So I'm coming out with a brand new version in, uh, well, let's say an updated version in 2024. So there'll be a new version of Unstuff Your Life um, that's uh, the first, the second edition of that. So fantastic. Other than Rancho La Puerta, are there places people can see you speak in person? Uh, there are no, um, all of the places that I'm speaking are typically um, conferences that are industry specific or business specific. So unless you were a part of that association or worked in that industry, you probably wouldn't be attending the conference. I don't, um, Rancho is the only place that I am teaching these days. I used to teach at San Francisco Zen Center. I'm trying to arrange something at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose. They're friends of mine, um, Yogacharya, Yogacharya uh, O'Brien, who runs the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose is a friend. And I'd like to do something there, but I don't know that will happen uh, before 2023 is over. So Nice. Susanna's mentioning she loves giving away her plus size clothes. And we always recommend if you lose weight, don't keep them. Don't keep them. No, no, no. You're not going to, you're not going to wake up fat. Yeah. And you, or, and you don't want the incentive like, well, I don't have to buy new clothes if I gain weight. I, I mean, you keep one piece as a reminder, but definitely yeah. don't keep your yeah, you, plus size clothes if you're not plus size right now. No, no, no. I have one pair of fat jeans. And um, when those are the only jeans that I can fit into, that's a, that's enough of an alert. Like, oh, I need to do something about that. So absolutely. <laughs> How do you advise people? Here's a question from uh, Jane: People with collections, like, do you give them away? Do you put them in a museum? Do you art like? I mean, are things things of value. And I don't mean like a collection of corks, but that might be valuable to somebody. Wine corks. I've seen people collect wine corks. Sure. So um, I would encourage anybody who has that kind of a collection to look in the secondary market and see what they're trading for and start to do some research. You can always hire an expert, either an appraiser or somebody uh, who works with collectibles and collectors and collections to help you with that. Um, it just depends on time and money. What's the collection worth? What's your time worth? Uh, what's the end game? Do you want to liquidate it? Uh, do you want to get some money for it or um, do you not want any money for it, but you don't you don't want it to get broken up and you want it to go to a museum or someplace where people can interact with it uh, after you leave? So those are the questions. Those are some of the questions to ask yourself as you're starting to methodically approach the thought of deacquisitioning the collection is what's the end game? Where do I want to place it? 
I love that. So from now on, when I, I'll say to Charles, well, look, we're just deacquisitioning. I mean, that sounds even that sounds even better to do that. Yeah. So Dave is saying, should I concentrate on one room at a time and not get overwhelmed with a house full of clutter? I think Andrew's suggesting time, meaning just take a, take a certain amount of time and do something. But yeah, look, you can you'll get the same place, whether you do room by room by room or you do little bit in this room, little bit in this room, little bit in this room, you'll feel better getting one room completely the way you want it to be before you move on to another room. Because every time you walk into that room, you'll see the after. Whereas the little bit of progress that you make in every room, it's hard to feel the cumulative impact of that progress. Whereas in one room when it is the way you want it to be you'll always have the before that you can the after that you can experience so if you if you need more encouragement um if if you're the kind of person that needs uh, a certain amount of motivation and you're not motivated to do it because you want to get it done but you like to see the results of your work and there's no judgment there i mean we're all wired differently some of us just like to put our heads down and work and not be concerned about incremental progress so if you're one of those people i would say continue to move around the house because getting a little bit done in lots of different places will will be its own reward but and if you are somebody who needs to see the fruits of your labor to motivate yourself focus in one space. Absolutely. And if you have a storage space, you need to take the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Randy saying, I have too much clutter, too many clothes, saving my kids, my six kids stuff. I've taken the class once, should do it again. Absolutely. Of course. You know, uh, repetition is the mother of skill. Most people don't just do most things in life one time. Renee saying, were you ever heavy, Andrew? Because you said my fat jeans. Were you talking metaphorically over yourself? Oh, no, no. I have one pair of uh, 34 uh, waist jeans that um, were, that was the heaviest that I was. So I probably had another 15 pounds on me. Um, uh, you know, when my folks divorced, I had what I call the summer of cake. And um, I uh, sat at home, I was very depressed. And uh, I basically went to the grocery store and would buy whatever cake was on sale, whatever cake mix was on sale. So Duncan Hines, Betty Crocker, whoever it was. And I would come home and I would bake a cake and I would eat a half a cake in a, that was a serving to me, it was a half a cake. And um, uh, people in their misguided way would say, oh, you're filling out. I had always been a very thin child. I mean, not like, you know, not emaciated, but thin. I was very uh, physically active and I was always thin. And then suddenly I was mm, almost pudgy. Uh, and um, that was, how, that was, how, that was the beginning of recognizing, oh, this is not a, this is not, <laughs> this is not a recipe for long-term success was to eat my feelings every day, eat a half a cake was not sustainable, but you know, I was 12 years old. I had a very limited skill set at that time. <laughs> I, I, I could get to, I could get to uh, Farmer Jack's and buy the cake. So I was able to do that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, I ever since that time, it has been on my mind of, oh, I could, I could go there. And so I, I literally have one pair of black jeans. That's it. There's no other clothes. And they're per and I will, even though they're the fat jeans, 
They're also genes that I don't care about. So if I'm going on site to a client's to get into gunky, cluttery weirdness because we're decluttering their home, I will wear those jeans because I don't care if anything happens to them. If they, if, if something pokes a hole in them or I spill something on them, it's, it will not matter to me. I don't want to wear a nice pair of jeans uh, if I'm going to be getting filthy. Right. Absolutely. And uh, Susanna had a really good suggestion. She says whenever a box comes from Amazon, she starts filling it and then keeps filling it. And then when she gets a box, you know, of decluttering stuff, she'll take it when that's a very good use of that box. Uh, yeah. Marianne says, how do I stay focused? Once I start cleaning, I can't stop. I set a timer on Alexa, but keep adding more timers. Yeah, well, I don't know that Alexa is the choice. I don't want her to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she'll she'll start made. talking. Right. And so she'll will mine. Actually, right. I've had that yeah. happen. So um, the the Amazon lady, we don't really want to use her as a timer. I appreciate the convenience of being able to say, "Hey, blank, set a timer for X amount of time." But I'd encourage you to use the one on your phone, or even an egg timer from the kitchen would be better. We want something pretty simple and mechanical to just go off so that you have to reset it again. And if you know that you are prone to putting your head down and just plowing through the end of the timer, the, the behavioral adjustment is to stop when the timer goes off, instead of telling yourself one of your 200 lies of, oh, I'm just gonna finish this one last thing and then I'll stop. Oh, I'm just gonna finish this one more thing. Oh, just one more thing. Oh, just one more thing. I'm on a roll, whatever it is that you might be telling yourself, you'd be better off stopping because you're not lacking motivation. So you'll be able to start up again, whereas somebody else might need the motivation to even get going. Your problem is stopping before you run yourself ragged or um, miss an opportunity to do something else. So I would encourage you to stop what you're doing, reset yourself, and then set the timer again. That's going to be, a, I think, a better recipe going forward for you. And take the class, Marianne, and he'll help you with yep. some of these uh, nuances. Anyway, I learned a new word today, deacquisition, and I'm going to start right away. Andrew, it's always a pleasure and delightful talking to you. I, so um, anytime you have a new project or a book, please you know, come back on the show. And I know we probably won't see each other, not ever again in Rancho, but next year, because they're asking me to pick a different day than when you come. Oh, yeah, because, well, because I'm, you know, with the groups or so, I don't think we'll see each other, but you never know, because sometimes they cancel. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah I'll, maybe I'll, you'll let me know what the dates are that you're coming. Maybe I'll do a little guest surprise. Maybe I'll just yeah. pop in. Well, if well, well they asked there. me to pick dates that you weren't coming, but they didn't tell you to not pick dates that exactly. I'm coming. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I had already put my dates in, in with, um, with, in with Victoria, but we'll see. If, so it could be that she's thinking that he, I am coming those days. Right. I, I, you'll think let me know which... Mar I think it's March and August for next year, but I'll let you know. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Well, Andy, Likewise. I mean, I, I so appreciate the opportunity to be here with you always. I'm, it's I'm, so I'm much fun. You, your work fan. is so valuable check out the new book or any of the books. I mean, depending on where you are, if you're moving, check out the moving book. But the first book is still extraordinary, as is the challenge. I've taken it and I'm thinking of taking it again, just so Susanna and I can be buddies. And Perfect. thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. Take Bye, everybody. Care. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. I do hope you'll come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. for Dr. Doug Lyle. He is to the mind what Andrew Mellon is to clutter. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.